How's it going, everybody? Tyler Solberg with the Solver Performance Training Podcast. And today is my first episode. Not as not only is today my first episode, um, but I have a very special guest today, Coach Dan John. Um, I saw Dan eight years ago at my first ever Perform Better conference. Um, and he's someone that I've looked to over the course of my coaching career for um, advice and training and life. Um, how's it going, Dan? Thanks for coming in today. Really good. Where was that uh, Perform Better? I actually saw you in Chicago. I was uh, I was still going to school in Wisconsin at the time, and uh, I took a train from my grandma's house in um, Minneapolis to come see you. And saw you and Eric Cressy and Coach sure. McGill, and yeah, it was a great time. I have this. Yeah. Uh, That's one of my favorite nights ever. Um, a friend of mine who lives in Chicago. Her name. Oh, she lives in Denver now, but Anne. Anne's deaf, and it was her birthday party. Okay. So I went to a very loud Chicago bar <laughs> as the only person who could hear at the party. Uh, everyone, all the the pe people who who had hearing had left. So I was there with, oh, it had to have been 11, 12 uh, seriously hearing impaired people. And when I sat down and ordered the waiter and I could sign and the waiter had this look of relief like, Thank God. Okay. This part, because it was, it was a thunk, a thunk, a thunk, a thunk. Sure. Sure. Place. So I couldn't, I mean, I could barely hear, uh, but it, it was a tremendous night. Talk about, if you ever want to be. What bar was it, by the way? Oh, hell, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I can tell you, if you gave me a, a list, I could remember, I could, I can tell you what it looks like. Okay. But it was, it was great. It's a place that you can play bocce in the summer in the backyard. Oh, nice, nice. And I know it's near the the river. Um, that's all I can tell you. Um, sure, it's got a weird name, like a Chinese name with I don't know, but it's it's a fun place. Yeah. Um, but it was a delightful, delightful night. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. So there you yeah. Go. No. No. It was awesome. I just I remember that because I you know I'd start coaching not that long before I went there. I had like just decided on my major that I was going to go exercise science, and I had just switched out of biomed because I learned the hard way that I can't. Um, from doing a job shadow that I can't work in an ER and watch blood. Um, so I went and saw you guys and yeah, I just remember it was, it was such a cool experience just seeing you. And I, I had known about some of these people for like just my own sport training. I'd looked into you and Eric Cressy and all those guys. And yeah, I was just like a little kid in a candy store, like watching you guys present. And um, one of, one of them I saw Stu and I remember he, I can't remember what book he put out at the time, but he was doing like a demo that day. And I was talking to him before he gave his demo and he's like, can I get a volunteer to do this like rope pulling thing, you know, for firefighters that he works with. And I was like, me Stu, he's like, you know, too much. <laughs> you can't do this. <laughs> so he's a great guy. I like him a lot. Yeah. yeah what's it like, like being friends with all those guys? Like, obviously like, well, you know, you don't, you don't know that you're famous uh, or that they're famous. They're just sure. me. It's a guy named Stu, a great guy named Stu knows his stuff. And uh, it's only when you get, you know, like in my own case, I'm sure Stu has the same, you know, I'm walking up the stairs one day in Edinburgh, Scotland, and someone says, Dan John, you know, yeah. or, you know, I'm checking into a hotel in Norway and the guy walks over to the manager and he goes, yeah. And that's Dan John. <laughs> so, but uh, it's, it's, oh, they're all great. I mean, there's a few, you know, uh, astards, but uh, yeah. For the bulk, it's something I learned from Earl Nightingale. He has a, in fact, it's it's on YouTube now called Lead the Field. And one of the things you find in almost every industry, as you go higher and higher, the people tend to be better and better. Now, it's not as true as it used to be because of inherited wealth and stuff. And, sure. Uh, and, you know, the fact that we don't, I mean, we don't tax the rich and stuff. So it's a, but when I was young, I had heard the same thing. Uh, I had a chance to meet the famous baseball player named Willie Mays when I was just wow. eight or nine, and he was just a nice guy. And and uh, it's interesting because Willie Mays, you know, you know, Hall of Famer, and was just like, well, it's nice to meet you, young man. And it's just like uh, yeah. Wilt Chamberlain was that way to me, and you know, the, yeah. the best of the best. And that's a hard lesson, you know. Uh, it's a hard lesson because the bottom feeders you know, we're all trying to eat each other up. And yet at the top, it's like, 
come on, there's room for more, you know? Yeah, I, I've noticed that big time with you guys and just watching you have, like, other guests. I, I can't remember who you had chipped the other day on the, on the podcast. Thomas, yeah. But just, like, the way, yeah, the way, like, everybody – once you get a, above the initial, like you were saying, like the kind of the bottom feeding thing, it's like everybody's just trying to raise everybody else up. You know, like, how can I help you? How can I get you where you need to go? And, you know, how can I point you in the right direction, you know, type of thing? You said you're starting a podcast. And I said, well, have me on, you know. I have to thank you for that, too, because I, I knew, like, as soon as you said that, I was like, that's the coach and Dan right there, because I'm like, I don't have podcasting gear. I've never given a podcast before. I've never interviewed someone formally. And I knew in my head I was freaking out. I'm like, I'm going to I'm gonna do a horrible job at this. But then in my head, I'm like, well, that's exactly what Dan wanted me to do. He wanted to put that on my plate and go, all right, here, it's on the table for you. Like, take it or leave it. Make it happen or not. But I next Wednesday, man, or next week. And I was like, all right, I got to put it in motion and do it. Ready to go. And the truth is, that's why some people never get better in sports. I mean – you, you've got to compete at the Union Middle School Christmas weightlifting meet. Yeah. Uh, you you got to go on the platform with a bunch, you know, your teammates being 11 years old. You got to, uh, you, you got to, you, you got to go to these places and play these things and do this stuff. Um, you know, you don't, you don't start on Broadway in New York City. You know, you take it to some small, to Wichita. And, you know, yep. Seattle, you, know, you, you got to go to Wichita. There. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I saw you were traveling. Also, I got to say before, um, I saw your picture that you posted of uh, little Leo in the onesie for Thanksgiving. I thought that was thought that was so cute. Yeah. Um, how that, was your Thanksgiving? You practiced Thanksgiving on Sunday. How did that go for you? Seeing the family and everything? Well, there was a there was a, a stressor that bothered me more than I thought. I had so I have seventeen interior doors, and uh, they were weren't very high quality, so we swapped them out. This should have been done in August. They took them all out on Thursday, and they were supposed to have them back on Friday, and then promised me Saturday. Yeah. So Sunday, we did have uh, uh, we had doors, so you, when Sona was on the toilet, they had some privacy, and that every door in the house <laughs> in the house had no. This is gone. Yeah. So how'd that go? <laughs> so good to see everybody. It's just a little bit more uh, personal and yeah. And then tonight, uh, my daughter's going to have a pre-Thanksgiving feast over at her house, and then we'll go over to her house tomorrow. She, she really, it's really important to her to have her first Thanksgiving, and uh, she wants to have Thanksgiving. Generally, I've been doing it. Yeah. You know, uh, Tyler, it's just a small thing, but I had a bad Thanksgiving a long time ago, uh, 80, I can't remember, it was before I went to the Middle East or after. It must have been before. And uh, I made a vow to myself that I would never, if it was in my power, to let somebody else have a bad Thanksgiving. And so that's why I have those practice Thanksgivings uh, where three or four times a year I cook a turkey. And, and it's very low-key, and we all laugh, and we sit around. It's harder to get people out of the house on those than on the normal ones because, they, you know, these people just hang and hang and hang and hang. We go through pots and pots of coffee and lots and lots of wine. And, but uh, Thanksgiving is very important to me. Uh, it's the only American holiday that hasn't been completely uh, destroyed by commercialism and capitalism. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to make some political statement. I'm just saying it's, there's very little expectations. You know, there's a turkey, which is why we do practice Thanksgiving, because of all the meals you can prepare, I would say a turkey is one of the most, the, oh, probably one of the least expensive, you know. Sure. Yeah, because I, I, I'll probably end up buying this week, I'll probably end up buying. Uh, I just went through. I had four turkeys, and now I'm down to none because we we got the one out for tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. So enough of that. Let's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. It was good. I. Uh, no. I. This is like my first Thanksgiving away from home. Um, mm -hmm. I just moved across the country from uh, from Wisconsin to Arizona this year. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm very jealous of you being able to sit down with your family for a Thanksgiving. So that's great. Um, Get in the car and come on up. I'm going to have to take you up on that. I was thinking because, you know, I planned this whole thing before I messaged you the other day. I was like, sometimes you just like I wrote a letter. I, every once in a while, I did like handwritten letters for people that signed up for my first um, online training groups, you know, cause just that means a lot to me. My grandma had always written me handwritten thank you sure. cards. And she writes me a letter handwritten ever bless her heart every month. Just, and I talked to her on the phone every week, 
and she does it every month. Um, I, I was thinking about that. I was like, I, I got to write him a letter. I got to go get a workout in at his place. But now that I'm a lot closer in Utah, I would love to do that sometime. And just like the podcast, uh, I hope to at some point take you up on that and come uh, come have some coffee and some food and, and get a lift in and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I was going to ask you, too. I saw that you were traveling the other day. I saw you were slammed between it was you and some other guy. Uh, where were you and what were you up to? So the week before, I was out with the FBI, and then the okay. next week, I was down at Southern Methodist SMU, and I mean, I'm a big engine, and this guy, <laughs> my thighs have never been as big as this guy's arms. My thighs were probably in the low 30s in college. He <laughs> was enormous. He was the last guy on the plane, and when he sat down, I thought, this is going to suck. He barely fit in the seat. <laughs> And I don't, he didn't wear a seatbelt and they never called him on it. Yeah. Cause they probably, they probably wouldn't even, he's good. And there's like two, two, two big dudes. Well, <laughs> don't forget we're in, he was in the middle seat. There was a guy, the poor bastard. They're still scraping him off the window seat. Yeah. <laughs> he's still in there. Poor, poor man. I was able to get his last, his last words. So that worked out great. So yeah. where did you do? Um, so I saw one of your videos that you posted, I think like two days ago, and it was talking like could have, you know, could you or should you? I've been really talking to like some of my clients about that after you posted that. Where did you do that? Was that at SMU? No, no, that was in uh, at uh, James St. Pierre's place in Chelmsford, England. Uh, my friend Val took all the videos for me, and uh, we just, you know, sometimes. You know, I have a weekly podcast. I do podcasts with Pat Flynn every week. Yeah, I do podcasts with you. I do podcast, podcast, podcast. And and what happens is, you sometimes you just all of a sudden you just have all this extra material, and for whatever reason we didn't post it for a while. But it really is uh, Val. Thank you, Val. Did a really nice job capturing. Uh, she caught really good little like small little sections. You know. Yeah. Uh, and so you'll be seeing those off and on on my Instagram account. Uh, if you don't know who I coach Dan, John, and you know, there you go. Yeah. You win. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and so my thing for, for doing like my online business, the whole thing's kind of like built on like skip the gym, train remote, you know, kind of like what you do. It doesn't mean yeah. you don't have like a full weight room. It doesn't mean, you know, based on your goals, the equipment obviously decides itself, right? Like based on your goals, what you want to do, what you need in yeah. there. Um, well, how would you apply that? Like, could you, or should you model to something like that? Cause I'm always talking to my clients about that. You know, could you have a full commercial gym, but you're just trying to, you know, enhance body composition, things like just basic goals. It is. I mean, it, everything we do in this, in, in fitness and in sports is cost to benefit ratios. And that's what could we, should we is all about. In fact, I, I tell people, and I mean this. Michael Crichton's book, Jurassic Park, the book, is I tell my college students, this is reading you need to do. And they all laugh. I go, no, you're missing the point. Because could we and should we is a major part of this book. Uh, just because we can clone dinosaurs, should we? And okay, and, and what happens is, is, you know, it's a little late when you're half eaten by a, a dinosaur to say, yeah, it was a bad idea. Um so the, the first thing is you, you you can do anything you want. Gentle listener can, you know, say any sentence with their mouth. You know, I want to eat a Toyota Corolla for breakfast. You can say that sentence. Uh, and I'm sure we could even start working out a way that you could do it. You know, uh, should you do it? Well, no, that's the stupidest thing I've ever said in my life, I think. So could we, should we? So um, <clears throat> for the bulk of the clients, uh for 99.99999% of the population, it's going to be joint mobility, you know, having the free movement of, of all your joints as, as, as realistically and, and, you know, through whatever issues. And then, you know, this, the attempting to increase lean body mass, which means adding muscle and losing some fat. And of course, how you're going to look, uh, Art Devaney's great insight. Vanity is actually a pretty good little thing to have because vanity is a great engine because if you, after a certain age, probably, I, I used to think it'd be 60, but now as I look around more and more, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the 30-somethings in America, uh, yeah. 
you know, if you look good, you tend to feel good. You tend to move good. Uh, if you move good, you want to move more. Uh, if you feel good, you want to feel good more. And so you feel good, you move more, and boom, you, you look good. Well, whatever starts that formula for you, I'm fine with. So if it's pure vanity, like Art Devaney argues past, you know, certainly past 70, vanity is a great thing to suddenly embrace because, you know, it is nice, you know, I'm 64. It is nice to, you know, look better than a lot of people at 64. You know, it's not a big, it's not, a, it's not hard to do. It's not very high bar, but it's, it's nice. And then, but to move good. And to feel good, you know, th those those three, those three. And I know, and gentle listener, I, I know the English language. But if I say, I want to look well, feel well, and move well, it just doesn't <laughs> doesn't seem to have the punch in the face of good, good, good. Um, if, if, if what gets me to training more intelligently is looking good, well, I embrace it. Uh, and to feel good, that's Tim Anderson's uh, big thing. It feels good to feel good. Uh, I applaud it. Yeah. 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 Do you ever feel like, and I could definitely tell this for me was getting out of like, it's okay to want to train to look good too. Because if you come from sport, you know, you were always talking about like, well, you keep out all these like small isolated muscle groups and things like that. And I'm like, well, I'm working with clients that want to see that stuff pop. So yes, we will still like, like you said, you know, push, pull, hinge, squat, low to carry, keep those there. Yeah. But you can still, if you're doing those things, it's fine to train for vanity a little bit as well. If you're doing, if you're checking your bases. If you push, pull, hinge, squat, low to carry and go for a walk, you're probably yeah. going to take care of it anyway. So exactly. And, and honestly, when you talk to, it's that old thing, that study they did, I, whether it's true or not, but I heard it was cosmopolitan about what women notice. Biceps and abs were not even on the list. Mm -hmm. And like I tell the guys all the time, if you want to meet women, practice basic hygiene, learn to talk to a, to a woman like she's, you know, uh, a member of our species. Uh, and uh, number three, learn to dance, for God's sakes. The other stuff. Yeah. You know, Take you know, care of it. Yeah. And I get it. There are people who whip their abs and they show their abs. And there's, you know, on Instagram, they show their boobs and butts. And, sure. and, and, and I. I'm fine with it. I, I'm, this is not me going, oh, don't do that. It's me going, okay, I get it. But having said that, you might be chasing, you, you might be chasing something that's not wanted. It's like. Yeah. Something that doesn't matter as much as you thought. Yeah. I mean, initially, we, and we talked when I was coaching, you know, and we were getting these arguments over time of possession in, in football, which is a almost worthless statistic. Because if you score on one play, you're not going to have very Doesn't good time. Doesn't matter. It's low. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to be very careful. But in every, when you get to people who are at the highest end of every sport or any vocation or anything, they also seem to have a clarity about what truly is important. And so for me, when you know, if you decide to take anabolics and and amphetamines in your 20s to look good for the beach. You're also writing checks your body might not be able to cash a decade or so later. And, you know, now you need a, you're facing a quadruple bypass, which is going to do a hell of a lot more damage to you than <laughs> going for a walk, you know, or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, you know. So you just, you always have to, and that's why I like being around, and you mentioned some names earlier, guys like Stu and some of the others. Yeah. Well, you can talk to them. Thomas Plummer is somebody who always seems to be able to dive right to clarity. Um, uh, Mike Boyle does the same thing to get, you know, people think Mike and I disagree about everything. We agree. We agree about everything. Yeah. Um, because when you talk about, we just, we just have the, the route we take is the exact same. We just come to different answers because of the situation he's in the situation I'm in. Yeah, I, I've always wondered that, too, because you've brought that up in other podcasts, too. I'm like, I really, other than, like, you guys talk about maybe some of the single leg training stuff, I'm like, I've never seen, like, philosophically the way you guys approach training. It's it, yeah, And it, it is, like, what you said, the same as the same, like, direction, you know, Eric would take or yeah. Dr. McGill would take or, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So the could we should me, I'm, I'm glad you referenced that. Uh, real simple, folks, it comes down to this. Could we do something? The answer is it. You know, well, the, done correctly, yes. 
Should we do something? Well, that depends. It depends. Stu loves the answer. It depends. I love the answer. It depends. People in the audience don't seem to understand that. And that's when I know when someone asks, pushes back on an it depends answer, that's when I realize this person's an idiot or is not going to be around in the industry very long. Yeah. Like because, a very like single way of looking at yeah, something. You, you just can't do that. And, and I always warn, you know, young coaches, uh, my students at St. Mary's here, you are at this, you know, this research laboratory for strength and conditioning, you know, we can throw you into a room, you know, lower the amount of oxygen and have you do snatches and test your cardiovascular response to higher altitude snatches. Well, ain't ever going to happen again in your career. <laughs> yeah. You're never going to do that again. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that restrictive band stuff that everyone's fallen in love with, you know, St. Mary's leads uh, is one of the leaders in the world in this research. I've had people done this with me. It is so much more complex than wrapping your bandana yeah. around your bicep, you know? Sure. So, and I, I tell my students, you know, you're, you're going to have to learn to train people with stones uh, and an ammo can and some broken uh, broomsticks or rake yeah. hands. That's how you're going to be training people. And if yeah. you don't have that skill set, you're not a very good strength coach. Any no. idiot, any idiot can walk into a multi-billion dollar facility and get a good workout. I mean, you don't. Got him. But it's when, it's when you have 70 athletes and five sticks and a stone, that's when you really coach. Yeah. That's so true. I, uh, one of my guys that I actually had lined too, that is really hard for a lot of people to get over too when they first start training, when they had traditionally in the past trained with barbells and full gyms. Like I was talking to my client that I work with the other day, which is a friend, which is most of the people you train when you start a business, um, are your friends that just, uh, volunteer for it. But he was talking about that. Like, he's training right now with a duffel bag and, and 18 pound bags of kitty litter. So that's how he's loading it. But I'm like, listen, you just went from doing body weight progressions, doing nothing. Like we can zercher load, you know, front squats. We can, yeah. there's so much you can do um, with just very basic tools like that. Like you don't need a full, would you like it? Yes, I have it. You know, so, yeah. but, but, but if you don't, then there's no reason you can't get great training in. Yeah. It's, I mean, if you come and train in my gym, one of the first things you're going to notice is you don't really have, a, if you Olympic lift, you might make some strange jumps because we don't have all the plates. <laughs> yeah. You can make a jump, a big jump. Yeah. I mean, we got kilo plates mixed with, you know, weight, uh, uh, you know, standard pounds and, you know, plates with, oh yeah, we can kind of get close to that. You know, well, if I put on this, 20 kilo plate with a 35 pound weight. Let's see, how much is that going to be? Put a two and a half on the side. But the thing is, it's not the nationals when we're training here. Yeah. You know, we're just trying to get, we're just trying to build ourselves up for something else. So yeah, the first question we ask you at the, at the website is what equipment do you have? Because that drive, I mean, if you say nothing, you're fine. We can work around with that. Mm -hmm. You know, if all you have is a, a duffel bag with kitty litter, you're probably farther ahead than a lot of people who have 18 pound dumbbells. Um, you know, if you have a, it's, it, it does make me laugh when I'll go to a person's house, uh, a man's and they'll have, you know, 10 sets of dumbbells that go from two pounds to 20 pounds. It's like, what are you going to do with that? What, it, you spent more money on all those dumb, those fixed weight dumbbells. Now you can do heavy hands with it, you know, march around the neighborhood. Yeah, I would do, but you're not going to get a workout in, you know. Uh, well, okay, uh, enough. Next question. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you too. Um, I actually had something written down here. Oh yes. So um, I really enjoyed. Um, I, I, number one, number one of the biggest reasons, like I gravitate your work toward your work, is the same thing you were talking about, like why you hang out with like Stu and, and people like that is you do such a great job of simplifying these really complex concepts and bringing them all together and going, Hey, it comes down to this, this, and this. Um, most of the people that I work with are those general body composition clients, um, mobility clients for you. And, and really just actually maybe focusing more on fat loss. What would you say for my listeners, um, our, our listeners right now, what would you say are the main components for something like that? Keeping that in perspective. Uh, for, for body fat, for yes. body recomposition. Yes. 
Okay, easy. It's, it's, it's interesting you say that because there's so many people now embracing this whole idea of simplifying. One of my former uh, football players is a head coach now, and he was talking about uh, how when he first coached, you know, he would call a play, you know, Ramrod 17, Bulldog 6, Z over, you know, X under, you know, rifle, Cannonberry, you know, blockade, purple on five. And now that same play is called Rabbit because <laughs> you know, it's just, yep. you just don't have time to, to, you know, you just don't have time. Well, when it comes to body, uh, body recomposition, uh, basically what most of your listeners are going to lose body fat. And you got to be very, first, we have to be clear on that. Sure. So I'm in a process of losing body weight. I'm trying to get down to 96 kilos uh, as an Olympic lifter. Losing body weight is far easier for me personally than it is to lose body fat. I mean, sure. You know, I can starve my way down. I can dehydrate my way down. Uh, I can cut my hair shorter. You know, I can, you know, uh, I don't know. There's lots of things you can cut, chop a leg off, I guess. But body fat is of the two hardest things to do increase lean body uh, uh, mass and lose body uh, and lose body fat. Those are also the two things that most people want, and they're the hardest thing to do. Uh, I think this is the time of year where it's actually the easiest to lose uh, body fat. I think in the winter, especially if you're in a place like here in Utah, where it's cold and dark. So uh, we know that uh, to lose body fat, you need more sleep. You, you need more rest. Sleep sleep is the answer. I mean, I've heard people say that the, the reason we've gotten so fat is because of the, the invention of the electric light. And okay. And of course, TV and radio and now the internet and all the rest. And I'm like, okay, I hear you, but uh, I think the first line is sleep and meditation, if you can do it, because meditation is practicing turning the brain down. And then, I'm going to just close that door a little bit so we don't hear Leo complain. Oh, yeah. um, I, I do think it's important to increase sleep if you want to increase body fat, because you do need the, the body needs time to rebuild the hormonal system. Uh, what Rob Wolf calls the hormonal cascade. And and most people are sleep deprived. Um, it's interesting, uh, as much as I sleep, I still think sometimes I'm like sleep deprived. And that's and it just fascinates me to think that I, uh, last night I slept 11 hours. I went to bed at eight and got up at seven. With the new doors, I can't hear anything. So yeah. and I didn't yeah. set my alarm. So it was like, hmm, I'm just going to go to bed, you know? Yep. yep. Uh, I think winter is also an easier time to lose body fat because uh, if you're out in short sleeves or you keep your neck open, we do know that there is, I mean, it's not, you have to be careful when you talk about ice and cryotherapy because we know that the exact same human responses come from, I have a sauna right there, right through that door is a sauna, hot tub sauna, steam room have the exact same uh, metabolic responses as uh, dousing yourself, jumping in a cold pool or ice therapy, but anybody who's ever done any work outside in the winter will tell you when they come in that why is the house turned up so high? God, God, people, you know, it's so hot in here and they turn. Um, there is value this time of year because of the cold, but it's different than like an ice bath cold. It sure, is that. sure. In fact, my I, keep, I like to keep my house very cold in the winter. Uh, a, I'm cheap, but B, I think it does help with uh, fat loss. And third, the big boon of the, this time of year, people turn to the chilies, the, the, the soups and stews. And uh, I, I think there is some value to eating those. I don't want to say they're pre-digested because that probably stop people from wanting to eat them. But <laughs> when you, when you, when you make a stew, you you don't really have as much meat as you think in a stew or a chili. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of people that are going over time with their chilies. But, you know, if you have a pound of hamburger meat and you have 18 people come over, you probably have enough meat for chili. That may be light, but that's, that's pretty good. That's not very much. Um, and the other thing, too, is that you're pre-digesting all the foods. You're cooking the vegetables. You're cooking the things. Which is, you know, pre-digestion. Yep. But as they yep. sit and simmer, all the magical stuff. Now, you got to be a little careful I don't go too far. But 
there is a little bit of magic that happens in a stew. And a, um, you know, we know there's some interesting research on uh, potatoes and um, pastas that they, once you cook them, cool them, and cook them again, that the, the structure of the potato and the pasta actually changes. Now, by the way, it also tastes better. You know, uh, there's nothing better than day-old spaghetti. You know, yep. day-old spaghetti is miles better. But you also see it in the chili, in the soup, in the stew. As those ingredients begin to work together and work together, I think that makes for a much healthier um, chew, swallow, sure, sure. digest. Gut biome. And gut biome stuff. I, I really think there's some truth to that. Uh, we always add uh, live vegetables for, for our soups. We usually add kimchi or something like that. Sure, sure. But there's a lot of others, too. I mean, uh, uh, chopped onions. So there's always onions in my everything I cook, the aromatics are, and everything. But then you add in fresh chopped onions, and it adds a, another layer of taste to the yeah, onion yeah, taste. Different, different mess so, with the flavor profile. And, yeah. yeah. So... So sleep, so sleep would be first. Uh, some kind of outdoorness in the cold would be second. Three soup stews, chilies, um, veggies, fermented foods, anything along those lines. Uh, number four, bigger than most people think, is walking. Walking is money, but walking has an asterisk. Walking after weightlifting, which gives us to it number five, I think. So push, pull, hint, squat, loaded, carry, go for a walk. Uh, Rusty Moore says that lifting weights frees up free fatty acids and the walking eats them. And, you know, I'm down 36 pounds since the beginning of the year with basically the only change is walking after I lift. Yeah. 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 And you're, are you on one of your easy strength programs right now? Is that like an easy strength for fat loss right now or... Um, because you have to Olympic lift, obviously getting prepared. Yeah, I do the weeks. Olympic lift one, and if you go to my website, I share them. I get that's just, I share them all. In fact, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how I can send it to you, but I I can send you a, a copy of that. Yeah, if yeah. you like. Yeah, I actually did one of one of your easy strength um, for Olympic lifting right before I left um, Arizona. Actually, so I, the one I'm Dan John University. So yeah, the one I I, I really Great. enjoy is the three by three by three. It's, uh, well, I'll, I'll just give you, so you, you, I always warm up with an Olympic lifting complex called the snatch complex. And then, um, you, uh, I'll simplify it as much as I can. Um, I snatch superset with front squats for three rounds. I get off my lifting boots and put on my walking shoes and then I power clean and press for three rounds. Every exercise is three sets of three. There's three exercises, three sets of three, three days a week, three by three by three by three. So, and people look at that and go, well, that's just not very much work. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I agree with you. It's not, but it's Olympic lifting. And, and you today do it every I did, day, uh, you know, yeah, well, uh, three, three days a week. So today days, I did yeah. something Rusty Moore uh, has recommended to me and just trying it out very, very light. So I squat clean for a single and I front squat. So squat clean, stand up, front squat, put the weight down every 35 seconds for 30 rounds. Now, that doesn't sound like much, but that's 60 squats in about 15 minutes. And the weights mm -hmm. are low. Yeah. But the amount of work I have to do to do a squat clean, it's a big, it's a big movement. Big motion. Big yeah. movement, big motion. And then, of course, following up with the front squat. You know, uh, uh, I really noticed my VO2 stuff going kicking in. <sighs> you know, all that stuff really starts to kick in. So, <clears throat> I mean, but you don't have to get very fancy. I mean, uh, in fact, if if you did goblet squats in the warm up, <coughs> pardon me, and you did uh, for most of your listeners, um, vertical press, some kind of military press. Just hang from a bar, uh, do something like a deadlift variation, and then do two loops with a suitcase carry and go for a walk. Uh, that would be, that'd be great for the bulk yeah. of yeah. But the hard thing is, is getting people to do that. So uh, the workouts are too easy individually, but when you add them up, and that's, that's one of the foundations of my coaching is accumulation. 
you want to, I would rather you lift three days a week, 52 weeks a year than three days a week, the first week of January. Sure. So I'd much rather you go easy or moderate for a long time, for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And get those walks in. walk, 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 walk. Yeah. So I have, a, I have a question for you too. So a big, a big piece of what I use in my online remote coaching stuff is wanting, I always want to address the nutrition piece with everybody, obviously. Um, how do you go about doing that with your general population clients that come in? Sure. Um, um, you cannot emphasize to this modern world, the importance of fiber to Americans. Um, so uh, we were taught to eat vegetables at every meal. I, I tell that. Like, for example, if you want to make people think you're crazy, eat a salad for breakfast. People think you're crazy. Or, eat, you know, I today my my breakfast was a massive, massive bowl of chili. Massive. And people said, that's breakfast. And I go, well, yeah, I mean, there's no law that says it has to be shitty carbs. Yeah. You know, um, uh, so we were told in the Olympic Training Center, um, veggies, protein, water. And then Rob Wolf told me fiber, protein, fish oil. Basically, we're running the same roots here. Um, it's. I think you have to be vegetable fiber first. Uh, try to really up your fiber. And I don't. I've got most of my athletes take Metamucil daily. Most of my athletes sure. supplement with fiber, um, either in uh, breakfast cereals or but then vegetables at every meal. Fermented foods are remarkable. I'm a big fan of kimchi. As soon as we hang up, I'm going to eat some. Mm -hmm. um, uh, sauerkraut, I make my own, uh, which is fun. You know, you take a head of cabbage that's this big, and then you all of a sudden, 20 minutes later, it's in a jar this big. It's like, where'd that thing go? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, make your own. In fact, uh, I've been told that simply drinking sauerkraut juice is really good for you. And that's just something I haven't done, but I think on this next batch, I, I'm going to make a batch. I don't want to do it this weekend. There's, we got, I mean, there's yeah, cooking, cooking. enough going on. Yeah. But uh, generally I make, when I make, when I make sauerkraut, I make maybe two huge quarts, the, the big, the big ones. Yeah. And then, uh, six to eight of the small ones. All the funny thing is though, You'd be shocked of how much cabbage you showed up with, and how little is left because of the. And it's it's a it's a beautiful. You learn a lot about digest. It's pre digested food. Yeah. Uh, by the way, so is tea. So is coffee. Sure. Um, so is uh, yogurt. I mean, a lot of uh, wine, beer, so many uh, uh, tempeh, tofu are all pre digested. Uh, a lot of the food people eat is pre digested food. Cheeses yeah. are pre. You know, cottage uh, cheese is pretty digestive. Um, so, I guess what I'm trying to say is, nutritionally, your vegetables, your fermented foods, then your protein. Uh, I like cleaner sources of protein than a lot of people. I mean, I'd much rather you ate uh, a piece of salmon that looks like it was a fish. Uh, here in Utah, you can get trout at many, many restaurants. And uh, I'm a big fan of trout, even if it comes from a trout form, I don't care. Sure. But pro clean, cleaner protein. And then uh, I'm a big fan of lots of liquids, especially water. Um, I'm also a big fan for your fat loss clients in drinking hot drinks. I did not say hot caloric foods. I said hot drinks. So green tea, I guess. But... My daughter told me that all she does now is drink hot water. She she and I both have this, <coughs> whatever the hell that is. You know, I know she got it from me DNA-wise. When I drink a lot of just hot water, um, it clears that up. And her thought is, well, if it's clearing up the mucus in my throat, it's got to be cleaning up some mucus somewhere else. And that, sure. That's a pretty good idea. My friend Pavel recommends hot water with lemon after every single meal. So, so I guess what I said, I guess I had a gear, I had a, a point and then a gear change on every one of them. Eat a lot of veggies and fermented foods. Eat a lot of protein. Know what the source is, you know, the closer, yeah. you know, and then drink a lot 
maybe air towards more teas and more hot waters. Okay. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I actually, my roommate, he's Taiwanese, so he's making kimchi stew all the time. So a lot of those things that you mentioned, I don't know if you've ever made like a homemade batch of kimchi stew, but oh my gosh, it's got all that stuff, the tofu, um, the, the kimchi in it too. You get a bunch of um, cut up like green onions for that texture at the end. Um, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I have a question for you too, on the end of like, when you're, when you are working with these clients, obviously you're taking care of like the strength conditioning portion of it, right. And the walking and do you, have you ever like taken someone into your kitchen and said, Hey, like, this is your biggest barrier. We're going to have to talk about this, like, and take you, take them into your kitchen. Have you ever done that? I've what gone to brunch. Many, I'm a big believer in taking people to brunch. Because brunch highlights just about everything else. Uh, in in my perfect world, there'd be two meals a day for most people. Brunch and, and early dinner. Linner, okay? Brunch and linner. Um, I, I've done a few videos on my Instagram about how I cook things. You know? But no. Well, I mean, I've had people stay with me for weeks. Sure. And, so you cook uh, with them anyways. Yeah. yeah. And my interns, that's, you know, in fact, uh, Adrian Craddock, my good friend from Galway, Ireland, he still, we, so the word crack has multiple meanings with us. So crack is a drug from, you know, a relative of heroin, but crack in the old Irish means fun. You know, what's the party? Uh, so what's the crack mean? You know, what's going on? Yeah. So we call the, the oatmeal I make crack oatmeal because it's so addictive. Yeah. Know? And uh, so, you know, someone like him, uh, the people, so I'm a big believer and you take something as simple as oatmeal and then you really, uh, you keep expanding on it and making it uh, with the oatmeal I make. I get, you know, I get the, I get oat oats, you know, just good old fashioned. There's nothing to them. There's just oats, you know. Um, and then I add chia seeds and uh, red flax seed, uh, sunflower seeds. I do add vanilla protein powder sometimes. I I do sprinkle in cinnamon. I used to use if I cook it, I use cinnamon sticks. But if I'm just because cinnamon's you know magic. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you stir it up, and next day you you put it in the fridge and you eat it the next day. But the chia seeds now they're they're. They got a little bit overrated, but they're still amazing for uh, the, the chia seeds. They expand and suck up the moisture. So a chia seed, they're very small, but I'm just exaggerating. But they'll start off very small, but they'll just you can just see them Blue fill, up. and they get this opaque color to them. Uh, uh, flax seed uh, has an interesting chew to it, and sunflower seeds. My body likes sunflower seeds. I tell you, it, it, God, it likes sunflower seeds. It's the weirdest thing to say that out loud, but it, it's like, oh yeah, give me some of that. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. give me, give me some of that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I have, and I, I have strong opinions. I talk about it a lot, but yeah, the, the, the thing I recommend to people who want to lose fat is that your best friend is a slow cooker. You know, in fact, uh, it'd be nice to have two, like a slow cook one that would be like your oatmeal-ish one and the, the other one be your soup stew one. Um, I mean, I've made, and the thing is, if, you, if done correctly, and this is for fat loss, folks, you know, done, you know, done correctly, you can turn 20 different vegetables, you know, into magic if you, if you yeah. take your time, slow cooker, yeah. That's so true too. I was, um, I actually have one of my friends slash clients. He's staying with me right now. He just got back. He was on, um, he was stationed in a base for the air force in Florida. And that was the biggest thing I just did with him today. We just cooked a, a breakfast together of just like a vegetable medley. I'm like, listen, when you go to these big restaurants, the biggest thing they talk about is how all of the ingredients speak for themselves, like building the flavors, kind of what you're talking about, the slow cooker and, um, that's so true um, on the end of I, just like letting the ingredients speak for themselves. I had these two great books. Most people don't know this, but I, I do. In fact, one of them, I got one from Ireland, but uh, he was a Catholic uh, brother who lived in New York and he was born. I can't remember if it was an accident or born with just half an arm. 
but he's also he's very big into perform performance arts, but he's also huge into making soups and breads. And the both of the books were kind of like love stories to uh, homemade soups and homemade bread. And people say, well, isn't it bread fattening? And I go, well, the way you eat it, yeah. yeah. But if it's done the traditional way, well, I mean, it is a processed food, but so soup. Um, yeah, so I, I'm a big fan of soup. And in this book, the thing I liked most was how the young novice, novices were expected to keep an eye on the soup. They all had this, like watching guard, they had to watch the soups, uh, you know, make sure that the heat stayed on overnight. And the, of course, we now can do that with a crock pot without anyone having to stay awake. Sure. But this, you know, when you start on a soup um, Thursday at breakfast for dinner Friday night, there's a lot that goes into that soup besides carrots and, you know, cut celery. There's a lot that goes into that. And I think we miss that sometimes. That's why I like Thanksgiving so much. The the uh, the care and the effort. I love sure. It. Yeah. The love behind the dish, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I have a question for for you that I, I obviously I just started a business. Obviously, this is my first podcast, and yeah. um, you know, I, I did I did have a question for you on the end of. Have you ever, and you've been very successful in, in your field and online and in person and giving presentations and, and, and working with teams and general population, has there ever been a point in your life where you were just like, you felt like it just wasn't working and it maybe wasn't what you were, what you were going to do? I know you, you started off in athletics and you were always around, you know, very um, um, people with good habits. And, and it feels like you continued that throughout your life. Um, As a coach, I've only quit one time. Now, I've moved on, taken on other roles, but I've only quit one time. And it was when I was coaching a football program. And uh, a whole bunch of dads were coaching of their own sons on the team. And at the end of that season, I, I didn't want to do have anything to do with the program ever again. And um, because I just felt so, you know, it could never be those dads' kids' fault. It had to be the other, you know, kids. And it was just, that was the only time. And that was, um, I've never, th I've never thought it was a good idea to coach your own kids. I did coach my daughters in the throws, the shot put, and, sure. just and it was difficult. I'll be honest with you. And I think I'm good. I'm a very, very, very good throws coach. And I think I'm a good coach coach, but that was as hard as anything I've done. And in football, it's even worse because you can't. If if I'm coaching you, Tyler, and you don't throw far enough, well, if and you're my son, you don't throw far enough, well, you can blame my DNA and you can blame my coaching. <laughs> right? But if you're playing on my football team, I got 10 other people I can blame. And, and it just, that was, the, that was the only time, uh, in the way I have been frustrated many times. Uh, every time you come to a new place, it takes years to turn shit, uh, stuff around. And that's hard. When I went out to Juan Diego, it just, the, the, the kids just took the course for an easy A and they would, they would not, the kids wouldn't even put on gym clothes. They would just sit against the wall and play with whatever it was at the time phone or whatever it was you know yeah and so i had to change that whole mentality around um the the uh oh i had to push up hill against all the coaches and and you know a couple years later you know we, we win the state football championships three years in a row and all is good they, they don't even recognize the the, the you know the, the, the head coach you know is a good friend of mine didn't recognize um, the, the the impact that what we were doing in the weight room did. Sure. When the boys went off to university, we had a we had a lot of them go off from that team, uh, and they found and they would say, "God, you're the best coached kid we have in our program." And at Utah State, I got a call from the, the head strength coach. He goes, "I'm coming down to watch what you're doing," and his whole staff came down to watch a bunch of high school kids lift weights because of what we're doing. Yeah. But yeah. those same kids I sent to him were some of the hardest kids I had to work with. Sure. Yeah. 
And that's wow. still, that's absolutely true. So you were talking about moving. I just moved across the country, obviously. I shared that earlier in, in the episode, but um, what, what advice do you have for me in kind of like finding my, my community as far as yeah. like new clients and things like that? Cause you've moved multiple places. I know just from reading your books and um, how did, how did you adjust and find a new group of people, you know, to, to kind of make a tribe with it each time you moved? Well, I mean, it's, it's other people. I mean, it was Dan Martin when I moved to Burlingame. I mean, Dan put together the Coyote Point Kettlebell Club. I mean, I get all the credit, but Dan did all the work. Well, I get all the credit because, you know, I stole it. <laughs> You're Dan. <Jeff>. Uh, <laughs> but when I got here, you know, uh, Parker, Parker Burns uh, wanted to be my intern, but I was in a situation where I couldn't really intern. So we said, what time can you meet? And he goes this time, which is six in the morning. So we, I trained Parker at 6 a.m. You know, we worked out together just to give him the flavor of changes. And then when I, when I started working as a throws coach over here at Westminster, uh, I don't know if it's college or university anymore. I, I always forget. Um, I brought him along three days a week to see me coach and interact, and it was good. And then from there, of course, Mike Brown and I got connected again. But very often, it, the hardest thing is that, um, you know, if you build it, they will come. I mean, that sure. is, that's kind of what it is. Um, I'm a big believer in community, intentional community training. And it takes a while because there has to be an intentional community. You have to agree. Yep. And what we agree to is have a funny but safe environment where we're going to help you as best we can. And, um, you know, because of the time, I, I kind of wish... I'm thinking of going back to the way I did it originally. And like, I might even start having a Saturday workout again. So, um, to, to, for the people who work, who actually work jobs, you know, <laughs> but, uh, that's, you just, you just one day a week, uh, and this is a great time of year to put it together for you. You know, uh, everyone has to bring in a can of food and we're going to donate it to the pantry. And that's the only price. And then, uh, you just, you just gotta be, you gotta, the people who are there have to want to be there. I've only had one negative. Uh, I've only had one negative experience with my intentional community, and it's a person who speaks highly of this book here. Um, and frankly, she was just being. I mean, she told Steve Ledbetter later on, "Well, I didn't learn a single thing." It's like, well, then, then you then you missed everything. The whole point. <laughs> because it wasn't, you weren't supposed to be there for you to learn anything. You were supposed to be there to help somebody else learn something. And you failed the whole group, you bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, just had, I just had my first community group. It's so funny <laughs> when, like I said, how many things go in motion when you feel like you're, when you know you're going to go and meet with someone you really respect, you're like, I got to, I, I've cleaned my whole house. I've, I started this, uh, this training community with the, with the clients that I had currently, I was like, I had this canopy and I'm like, will you and my roommate and everybody go out to this field and do this workout so I can be seen. Um, but you're so right. Like it, I just like, when I thought about it, when I was out there, I was like happy to be out there, but I'm like, this is about, there's a ton of parents out there, you know, that are chasing their kids around and things like that. I'm like, I got to be out here. So they see this stuff. So they walk over here and they get curious and this is the way I'm going to do it. And yeah, it's, it's a, so it's a process. A like we have a farmer's market here across the way here. And I've always told people, you know, if you really want your business to explode, get a booth at the farmer market, buy it for the whole season. It's going to probably cost you probably be expensive, but uh, put the kettlebells out there and have a class going and have and then have, you know, if it was you and me, you would be running the class. You'd be having everybody do something. And I would be the person, well, no, I would have somebody else saying, yeah, these are kettlebells this is what they do. Oh, you want to, Dan, will you show this person the basic? Oh, I would walk over and show it. And that's how you build it. But it's, you have to build it. And that's the hardest part. And that will always be, it's, you know, uh, when, when you come into a new track and field program, a new football program, uh, you have to build it. Um, 
I, I wrote in this week's Wandering Weights, I talked about the University of Utah football program. And it was terrible when I first got to the state. It, they, they were not very good. I mean, yeah, they had players play in the NFL, but the program, they weren't a very good team. Sure. And then they had a series of good coaches. And, I mean, I'd like to say administrators, but I think one of them held them back more than anything else. But um, the university decided that this is important. So they became a Pac-12 team. And, but to become a Pac-12 team, you had to do this, this, and this. And if you're going to do this, this, and this, you're going to have to do this, this, and this. And, mm -hmm. and it, you know, you can hire the best coach in the world, but then you need, and it's like I quoted, Bill Walsh famously said, you know, uh, he was so concerned about how the receptionist answered the phone at the San Francisco 49ers facility. Because if she didn't answer the phone a certain way and wasn't welcoming to people coming into the door a certain way, and if you treated the custodian poorly or the this person badly, then your whole program sucked. You know, uh, I told my daughters when they were single, always look at how the guy you're dating treats the wait staff, the receptionist, uh, the doorman, the cleaning lady, the cleaning man, the because for sooner or later, they're going to treat you like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it says a lot about how they're going to, yeah, and, act in and, a relationship. And one of the things I, people have noticed that, like, for example, I, you know, when, when people come out from other parts of the world and they go out with me and, you know, the, the owner of the restaurant will come over, we'll talk, we'll laugh, we'll, you know, in fact, this morning she told me about a friend of ours who had died. And when people first hear these conversations, like, do you know everybody? I go, no, I don't know everybody, but I try to treat everybody the way Bill Walsh called us to treat everybody. Woo. And my dog just farted. Yeah, that was you. <laughs> Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still there, man. I'm good on my end. Good <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm a really, I'm really trying to work through this initial, like getting everything off the ground. I don't know if like, obviously you've, you've been doing this, you know, at a, at a high level for some time. Do you, you know, do you have kind of like stories of like when you started, um, that oh, you, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I just thought the answer to all questions was snatch and clean and jerk. And I was kind of right, but I was wrong. <laughs> True. And I thought when I first started, eat protein, drink water. I mean, I was kind of right, you know. And I, as I look back, I mean, I wasn't terribly terrible at a lot of things, but I I had that beginner's you know expert issue, and I needed to fix that. And yeah, I mean, well, I had the whole the whole gamut of problems, you know. And I still I still have a short temper. I still think a lot of people go out of their way to be stupid and. So, you know, I have to work through that stuff, but yeah, yeah, I made mistakes, but you know, to quote my good friend, Frank Sinatra, you know, mistakes. Yeah. I made a few, but then again, too few to mention. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever feel like it was, it was really like, you know, one of the questions I wrote to you was talking about like how you felt like your training kind of changed, like after becoming a father, after becoming a grandfather, like yes. was, was a lot of like a lot of your training thought did it just come down to like, you know, you've said this, like having life smack you in the face and then you just. No, that's it. No, I would never change anything without life smacking me in the face. I'm not going to change anything. Yeah. You know, I'm John Candy out of the movie Splash. Splash, <laughs> it's the opening scene. Yep. It worked when he was 10. He's going to keep doing it, you know. Um, no, no, it's all. It's, I got to get whacked in the face before I'll make a change. Yeah. And it's interesting because I'm sitting here at 64 and I've got all this money and all this time. And when I was 24, I didn't have either. And uh, it's just weird how life works. Yeah. I mean, I have the resources now to do anything I want, anything I want as an athlete. But I'm 64 and I can't do that anymore. So, hey, Tyler, I am going to have to yeah. bounce in just yeah. a few. Absolutely. Um, just, just to let you know. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, we all make mistakes, and it's okay. Um, uh, I wasn't very good with my own personal boundaries. I let too many people um, 
that's that's a whole other conversation for another time but maybe i can have you back or something <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd be honored to uh, absolutely yeah let's do it soon too don't yeah. wait too long yeah let's do it but yeah you Dan, know, yeah i'll let yeah, you sponsor so, you know uh, it was something. It was something. That, it, it, it sounds crazy. And this, this, so we had a whole bunch of people over the house on Sunday, and I didn't have any doors on my closets. Uh, the bedrooms had no doors. The laundry room had no doors. And usually, you know, we would close. You know, the, the, this one here across the way—that's the Christmas closet. And this one here has a bunch of stuff. Usually, they're behind, and you don't see them. Well, people are commenting on what was behind my what was inside of my closets. And I went, no one didn't, I didn't get mad or angry, but it was such a nice, it's such a simple analogy uh, for the biggest mistake I made as a coach is I let people look into my closets. I, I let people know too much about myself. Now, having said that, I think part of the reason that my success, I have a lot of success is that, you know, my grandson, You've seen Leo in his turkey outfit. You've seen my dog. And I just mentioned my dog farting. Uh, I am an open door. And I think sometimes that was a mistake. Having said that, it's also the reason I'm successful. So like everything in life, it's that double-edged sword, you know. Thank you so much for coming on and, and talking oh, to me, Dan. Let's do this again next month. Uh, Let's see. Let's do this uh, maybe right before Christmas, if that sounds all right to you. Yeah, okay? let's do it. We'll do it before the holiday season again. So, And then a reminder, email me the links so I can put on my wandering weights, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much, Dan, and you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk soon. I'll, I'll message you, and we'll, we'll set something up again. Absolutely delightful. Awesome. Thank you. Thank we'll you so soon. much. Thanks. Bye-bye.